us into this ministry to be intercessors and um, and it's a very powerful operation that Jesus he himself did it for us the Bible says that he was made a sacrifice he came down here to intercede for us he it wasn't enough for him just to stay in heaven and try to send messages or help while he stayed in heaven he wanted to come down here there was a lot of reasons in doing that but one of the one of the reasons is he wanted to come down in the flesh to know what you and I experience to fight that same thing that you and I struggle with and so he came down and the Bible says that he did that so he could experience it so he would have the Bible the King James says that so he could secure which really means to to feel the infirmities that we feel because he was tempted in all points like you and I but he never sinned but he knows what it's like he knows what the struggle is like he knows what the battle is like and and through that it gives him a lot of compassion a lot of empathy a lot of patience a lot of mercy and and and, and grace to be able to work with us in our struggles because see he's full of he's truth right and truth doesn't bend truth is absolute and and because of that if we had to if we were just subject to truth we would we would fail all the time there would be no hope for us it's like the law Paul said the law is good it's holy it's righteous but the problem is I'm a sinner and I can't I can't live up to the law even though I've tried, even though I've made certain attempts, I can't live up to that because I have this weakness of the fallen human nature. And in Romans 7, he talks about this throughout there, and he says, oh, wretched man that I am. You know, But he, before that, he says, you know, the things that I would do, I don't do, and the things that I do, I, sh I know I shouldn't do. And then he goes kind of back and forth in this struggle, and then he finally says, who shall rescue me from this oh wretched man that I am from this flesh and then he goes into Romans 8 thank God the book of Romans doesn't stop at Romans chapter 7 there's Romans chapter 8 because at Romans chapter 8 it talks about the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death and he talks about the spirit and the righteousness the Spirit of God and the righteousness that comes through being led of the Holy Spirit. But all of that was accomplished because he came down in the flesh. And the Bible calls that he made an intercession for us. He became one with us. And within that, he could be our intercessor. He could be our, our mediator. He could be the one who intercedes on our behalf right now the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us 
Right now, even though Jesus is on the right hand of the Father, he is making intercession for us. And he knows each one of us by name. And he knows where we're at. And so there's a, we're going to talk about this spirit of intercession. Because as we begin to look into this, we begin to see that intercession is also a part of our prayer life. It's part of an operation that you and I can operate in. And it's also an operation of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. If you turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 1 through 4. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. And it says, first of all, then, I urge that petitions, specific requests, prayers, intercessions, prayers for others, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all people. For kings and all who are in positions of high authority, so that we may live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity, this kind of praying is good and acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved, and to come to the knowledge and the recognition of the divine truth. So we see that word intercession, intercession right in the different types of prayer. There are different types of prayers. You know, prayer is not a one-size-fits-all type thing. There's supplication, which is more of specific prayers, which involves more of a preparation. If you're going to make a supplication to a king, you don't just, or a, a person of high ranking authority, you don't just go in there and ramble. You, you, you give some thought to what you're going to ask. You kind of build a case. You kind of build a, uh, a purpose of what you want to say. And that's like a petition. And that's where you develop uh, your faith for something. God, is this your will? Is this what you want? Is this what you, how you want to work in my life? Is this how you want to do something? You get some scriptures together, and then you put together a prayer petition. And that becomes a part of your purpose. It becomes a part of your focus. It becomes a part of something that you know God wants to do in your life. But then also, he talks about prayers of, of uh, thanksgivings, and, um, and of course, there's many different types of prayers in the Bible. I'm not going to get into those right now. I want to talk about intercession. The word intercession means a falling in with. A falling in with. In other words, he's coming, you're coming into something with somebody. You're coming into something with somebody. It means to plead with one against anyone so it's kind of like when you um, are going before the judge you're being convicted of something and you're going to have to go before the court what do you do you hire an attorney an advocate somebody to represent you somebody to plead your case 
they're, they're, they're kind of intermeeting, they're kind of intercessing, they're getting involved, they're becoming one with you, they're going to help plead your case. It means an interview. When you think of an interview, you think of actually um, getting to know the person, getting to know where they're at, getting to understand their, their credentials, their strengths, their weakness, trying to locate where that person is at. You're interviewing. It means a coming together, a connection. It comes from, the word intercession comes from a root word, means to, to hit the mark, or, this is interesting, discharging a javelin or an arrow. So when you think about when you're trying to hit something, you're, you're, you're aiming at something. You're, you're focused on something. And, and you're not just staring at it, but you're trying to hit it. You're trying to make a connection with it. So you're, you're throwing an you, you, you know, you, when you think of an archer and how they pull that arrow back, and they're just really staring intently down that arrow. They've got a target in mind. They're really trying to size up where they're actually aiming this arrow to go. Intercessory prayer kind of takes us in the spirit to do that. It means to reach, to attain, to obtain, and to specify, and to take a case. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul was writing to them, and this is chapter 4, so... There's a few other chapters before this, and basically what happened is he came to Galatia, he shared the gospel with them, they got saved, they got excited, they started walking with the Lord, but then some uh, Jewish religious Christians, or not Christians, Judaism, they came in there and they began to confuse them and tell them, well, they need, again, these are heathen people, they're not, they're not Jews, Galatia is Gentiles, and they come in there and they say, well, if you want to be right with God, you got to obey certain laws, you got to be circumcised, and they started going through all of this, and it confused them, and they started to submit themselves to Judaism, thinking that that's how they could become right with God. And Paul had to correct that, and he was pleading with them, and he said, it's not by the law, it's by hearing of faith and, and, and what Christ did and the promise. And, and he talks about all of that through there. But in the process of trying to minister to them, he makes this very interesting statement in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, or King James says, travail until Christ be formed in you. So what happened? You know, obviously he's ministering to them, but there's a burden. He's trying to reach out to them. He, he, he wants to, uh, he, they're on his heart. He cares about them. He's praying about them. He's concerned about them. He's going through a travail. It's just kind of, he makes the, the, uh, the, the comparison of a pregnant woman uh, having a child and going through a birthing station, uh, uh, delivering birth to a child. He's going through that spiritually, 
for these people. Have you ever felt that way over somebody? Have you ever, somebody you cared about, somebody you just been, you feel just compassion for, you, you want to see them do well, and you just, you, it's in your heart, it's dear in your heart, and you're just, you're praying for them, and you almost feel like you're going, it's like a baby that's being born through your prayers. It's like you're praying and you're carrying that person's life kind of in you like a mother would carry a child. And you want that child, you want that person to develop into something, to become something, to reach a certain goal, to, to make it to a certain place. And so you're praying with fervent passion. You're, 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 they're on your heart. You're, you're caring about them. When you're around them, you're speaking certain things. You're, you're making certain commitments, certain decisions to try to help them. Well, that's what Paul was dealing with there. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, Paul is talking to the church in Colosso, and he's talking about a, a fellow minister, Epaphras, or Epaphras, however you say that in the Greek. He, he says in verse 12, he's one of you. He's a bondservant of Christ, and he greets you. He's always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. But here this servant, Epaphras, is praying for them, but he's laboring fervently. You know, prayer, it can be a labor. It can be a, a, a labor that you are exerting energy it can be something that can be very physical, very emotional. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, if, if prayer is just kind of a kind of a soft, thoughtful meditation, and sometimes prayer can be that way because it can be very um, reflective and, and meditating. But then there's there's also this laboring fervently. There's there's prayers that can become intense. That can become where you feel like you're entering into something that is going beyond your physical being. There's something else that's beginning to activate. Now that word laboring fervently comes from a Greek word agonosemia. And I probably butchered it. But it's where we get the word agonize from. And it means to enter a contest, to contend in gymnastic games. Well, have you ever seen a gymnast? Carl, can you do a couple of gymnast moves? Can you do a cartwheel here? Can you do a backflip, something like that? That's it. That's all he can do. All right. Well, good. I don't want you to break anything. Then again, we could pray over you and fervently pray over you. And <laughs> My, uh, my granddaughter, um, one of my granddaughters, she's seven years old, and she is a natural gymnast. She can do 100 cartwheels in a row, and then turn around and go back and forth. She's, 
She's constantly doing flips. She's going backwards. She's doing things that if I even attempted to do, you would all have to pray for me and maybe visit me at the hospital. <laughs> but um, she's just very natural that way. But her body can contort in ways that are quite amazing. And, um, but when you think about a gymnast and you ever watch an Olympics and the gymnast and the routine, I mean, the, all the different things they do. It's just, it's just incredible, but it's intense. And they're twisting and turning and flipping and moving that body in so many different ways because of the intensity of what that contest is. It also means to contend with adversaries and to fight. See, he, this Epiphras, he was laboring fervently. He was doing gymnastics in the realm of the spirit. <laughs> he was fighting, contending with something. To contend, to struggle with difficulties and dangers, to endeavor with strenuous zeal, strive to obtain something. That word um, laboring fervently is found in a couple of other scriptures. 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul says, I have fought or I have labored fervently a good fight. I fought a good fight. I labored fervently. It was intense. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now we look in Colossians chapter 1, and this kind of gives an interesting picture of how this spiritual force is working with our own physical strength. Paul is talking in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, and he's saying, you know, he's talking about his ministry and how that... Uh, I proclaim Jesus, I warn, I instruct everyone in all wisdom. Um, that is with comprehensive insight into the word and the purposes of God. And, and his goal was that I may present every person complete in Christ. Mature, fully trained and perfect in him, the anointed. And then in verse 29 he says, For this I labor often to the point of exhaustion, striving with his power and energy, which so greatly works within me. So here he's working. He's striving, but he's not doing it in his own strength, even though it's, it's exhausting to him, even though in the sense that it's physical labor, he isn't just, you know, just, you know, doing it... Uh, uh, out of just total adrenaline. He's doing it out of sacrifice. He's doing it out of submission. He's doing it out of, you know, fighting through some things, pressing through some things, enduring some things. He's going through all of those physical things that would, would, would press upon us and make it difficult. But yet within that, there was a supernatural working. Within that, within that, efforts within that working is his power, his energy. So that tells me that he's not, he, he's not trying to do things himself. 
He's always praying. He's always looking to the Lord. He's always uh, putting God in the situation. He's not trying to do things in his own strength and tire himself out because otherwise he would fall short and fail. But he's, he's, he's looking to the Lord and he's saying, Lord, I need your help here. Lord, I need your strength here. Lord, I want you to work in this. Lord, I need you to, to anoint me here. I need your power to be activated here. And God comes through and does that. And he, as a matter of fact, he, he found out how to do that in his most weakest moments. You know, sometimes when we get into our weakest moments, in the moments that we're most frustrated, where we struggle the most, our attention kind of goes on how we're feeling at that time and the, and the circumstance around us. And what Paul learned to do in the midst of that is he learned to worship God. He learned to praise God. He learned to rise above that. Even though it was there and it was going on around him, he, he learned how to shift his focus and his attention on Christ. And in the midst of that, in the midst of that turmoil, he found this peace. He found this strength. He found this energy. He found this joy. He found the ability to do things. Because he, he, he didn't look down, he looked up. And so prayer can become an operation like that. You know, you can be you can be praying and you know, it may not you may not necessarily be feeling uh, the heavens open and the angels singing and and rushing mighty winds of the Holy Spirit. You might just be praying. Just going through the prayer list, going through people you care about, people you want to see God touch and work. And you know, oh Lord, I pray for Mike and I pray Lord help him and I pray for Carl and help Carl to be more spiritually in tune and, you know, and then I, you know, all of a sudden I'll pray for Matt and then all of a sudden, and Lord, touch Matt and Lord, let your power just come upon him and, and work upon him and all of a sudden, and the tongues comes out and it's like, you know, <clears throat> still good prayers for you guys, you know, but all of a sudden there was something that hit a nerve, a spiritual nerve, like something was being pulled from within, and it, and it was intensified. The volume was turned up. The flame was turned up. The fire was turned up. All of a sudden, I'm feeling, okay, now, now what do I do with that? Well, then you got to keep going with that. You just got to go with it. You just got to, okay, how long is this going to go? And, and where it goes, it can be very interesting. Look with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Through 27. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Romans 8, 26 and 27. It says, in the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer as we should. But the Spirit himself knows our need at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. For he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because the Spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people in accordance with God's will. So what we see here is we, 
we don't necessarily know how to pray for everything exactly right. That's our weakness. We don't know the future. We don't, we can't, I don't know exactly what Mike is going through tomorrow at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know what Carl's going to be going through uh, Friday at 2 p.m. or Tim is going to be going through on Saturday at uh, 9 a.m. I don't know those things. I may not know the needs or how to pray about this. Sometimes you ever feel like, you know, somebody wants you to pray, pray for my friend, pray for this situation. And you're like, uh, you know, I, I'm going to pray a general thing first, you know, God help them here, strengthen them there, protect them here, you know, those types of things. But what are the specifics? What do they really need at that time? We don't necessarily know that because we're limited in our physical realm with our physical senses. But see, the Spirit knows. He knows exactly what they need, when they need how they need it. He knows the specifics of how to pray for them. So then what happens is <clears throat> he gives us an ability to pray these things. Now, it's, the, the wording on here is a little interesting because he says it's with sighs and groanings. Now, there is a certain amount of burden that you'll feel. Like when you see something and it affects you 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 know you can you just you just feel the the um, enormous the, the the magnanimity of it the the enormousness of it you you just feel it the the seriousness of it the the whatever it is about it you you, you can feel it and it, it, you, it creates a burden it can create a sigh it can but there's a little bit more into this because it goes it, it, it becomes a burden to the individual. It becomes something where you feel like it's almost like it's your responsibility too. It's like I, you know, sometimes when people really get hit with a, a spirit of intercession for somebody else, I've heard them say that sometimes they feel like they're unsaved for a certain person, like they're going to hell. And they're think, as, they're, as they're praying for this person, they feel like they themselves are on their way to hell. Like the severity of what that person or the condition that they're going through. Or sometimes if somebody's hurt and you start to weep for them as though you yourself are the one that's hurt. You're the one, you're, you're taking that, that burden, that care upon yourself and you feel it as though you're them going through what they're going through. And you begin to weep or you begin to lament or, you know, the, the prophet Jeremiah, he knew that the children of Israel were going into captivity. He kept prophesying and telling the Jews that judgment is coming, judgment is coming. And, and he was right on and they were not repenting and there were false prophets that were saying peace and safety and everything's good and you don't have to repent and everything's okay and we're going to be just fine. And here he is feeling the burden of the Lord, knowing the judgment of God is coming, that they're going to, that God's going to raise up somebody and they're going to come in there and take them and destroy everything. And it was such a burden to him that he wept. The book of Lamentations, he just wept. And he was called the weeping prophet. 
because that burden was just so heavy upon him. And so sometimes in intercession, you can get that burden in you. It's a groaning. Interesting, that word groaning, we kind of experience that. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verses 2 and 4. He says, For this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with the house from heaven. Isn't there times where you feel like, you know, in your struggle and your weakness and situations, you, you know that there's a, there's a glorified body, you know there's a supernatural strength, you know that there's power in the Lord, and you're groaning inside. I, 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 can, I can live so much better, I can do so much more, I can operate in so much more, and there's that groaning that's on the inside of us, knowing that through Christ the potential for us to have an experience more is greater than where we're at sometimes. And so we groan, we earnestly desire. And then in verse 4, he says, For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed that mortality might be swallowed up in life. So there's this groaning within us. Oh, if I could just have, if I could just walk in everything that I know is right. <laughs> if I could do everything that I know is right all the time, the right way, and experience everything that God has for me, walk in it all. We see that that's the groaning within us, knowing that this is available to us, and, and we have a desire for that. So there's a groaning that can come in us sometimes as we're praying, and it becomes a burden knowing that maybe, maybe there's somebody in your life that you're praying for, and you know that they could do so much better. They know there's decisions they're making, and they're not the right decisions, and they're going to put themselves in bad places. And you're praying, and you're saying, God, just show them. They don't have to make those decisions. They, they, can, they can, you know... Put this aside. Just open their eyes, Lord. Help them to see so they don't make the wrong decision. <clears throat> Becomes a burden on the inside of us. And then he goes on to say here in Romans 8 that these groanings are size, he says, too deep for words. Or as the King James would say, too hard to be uttered. And uttered is an interesting word because <clears throat> it means um, not expressed in words. Like the translators really had a hard time. How do, you, how do you translate this word, this Greek word, into English? And it was a tricky one because, and they came up with, just not to be uttered. These, these deep groanings are hard to be uttered, and that's as best they could come up with. But it, unfortunately, some people in, interpret that as though the Holy Spirit is doing these, sighs, these sighing and groaning inside of you, and you have nothing to do with it. Like he's just doing it all by himself, and you just keep you know, moving on in life and you're not involved with it. Like he's just doing it and you're just doing your thing 
And yes, I know the Spirit does stir things up in us, but the, the true meaning of this word has a little bit more to say than that. The root, the, the, the Greek word is alehitos. And the root word, lehio, means to speak, to utter a voice, to emit a sound, to use the tongue or the faculty of speech to utter articulate sounds. So these groanings, these sighings, become operative in us to where now we're making sounds. We're using our tongue. We're making very distinct sounds. Have you noticed when you're praying in tongues and all of a sudden the intensity of the spirit kicks in and you know that you're really praying for something, your tongues goes from a shandalamomamakashi to a shandabaka. Oh, and all of a sudden you're, you feel like you're talking in French or German or Russian, or you're just like, wow, or Chinese. I remember Pastor Ted sometimes when he would go really strong, it almost sounded like he was talking in Chinese. You know, it was just the whole dialect seemed to just change. Have you ever noticed that in prayer? See, that's that. That's that groanings within, and that's, the Spirit is taking you into an intercession to pray about something, and it becomes more intense. It's a, it becomes into that laboring fervently. It becomes a, a working within there to, to, to go somewhere. You're, you're aiming at a target. You've you, you got the bow. you got the arrow. You're, you're stretching that arrow. You're aiming for something. There's something you're going after in the Spirit. And the Spirit is taking you on a, on a journey. And we need to do more and more of that. And, and, and that's something where we have to make ourselves available for more and more of that. It's not something, you know, if, if prayer is controlled and structured and not, okay, I'm just, just going to pray and this is how I'm going to pray all the time and it's going to always be, you know, this way at this time and, and, and there's no... You know, Holy Spirit, what do you want? How do you want to move? How do you want to work in this? You know, sometimes we put time limits. Like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have my hour of power, okay? So you sit down and, you know, you start, you know, reading your Bible a little bit. And then you have your prayer time. And all of a sudden, you know, 40 minutes has gone by and things are going good. And God's, you know, stirring some things and you're feeling good. And now 50 minutes has gone by. And uh, now, you know, you're getting a little more charged up and you start praying. And then, and then now 55 minutes have gone by and, and now you're, you know, you're starting to feel more of the spirit and you're praying, but you've already put a time limit. It's an hour. But things are building up, right? So what happens if you say, okay, I'm going to push back my schedule. Instead of doing this, when I planned on it, now I'm going to push it back. Now I understand if you have to go to work, you have to go to work. That's, that's a little different. But maybe then you got to get up earlier or, or start later in the day or whatever. But if you have an ability to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to just give this time a little bit more. I'm going to let's see where this goes. Where do you want to take this, Holy Spirit? Where do you want to go with this? See, if we just leave some open doors, 
He might take us into some places where we can intercede about some things. Where we can stand in the gap. Where we can restrain a judgment from coming upon a situation. Where we can restrain the enemy from being able to come in. You know, uh, when... when um, Jesus came up to Peter, and this was getting close to the crucifixion. He came up to Peter, and he was telling him stuff about what was going on. And he looked at Peter, and he said, Peter, Satan has come to me, and he has demanded of you. Interesting. Satan came to Jesus and said, I want this one, and I want that one. <laughs> and Jesus and he said, he is demanding of you, and he wants to sift you like wheat. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Now, what's interesting is that even though Jesus interceded for him and prayed for him, he still had, but then he, Jesus turned around and said, but I tell you, then Peter says back to him, he says, Lord, if all leave you, I will not leave you. I will even die for you. And then Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. So here he had prayed for him that his faith would not fail. Peter reacts in pride, saying, if everybody else rejects you, I'm never going to, I'm going to die with you. But then Jesus tells him the inevitable. See, there was the inevitable. You're not trusting in the Lord. You're trusting in yourself, and you're going to fall, and you're going to fall right on your face. But you know what? In the midst of you falling on your face, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. So he knew he knew what was going to happen. He knew how he was going to fail, but he knew he was going to make it through. Isn't that interesting? He knew he was going to make it through. He wasn't worried about Peter. He wasn't like, oh, man, I really love Peter. I didn't, you know, Judas, you know, I knew he was, he was the son of perdition. He was, I already checked him off, but, uh, no. <laughs> but not Peter. <laughs> But he wasn't worried about it because he prayed. He interceded. He stood in the gap. I remember when I got saved, um, my sister got saved, and then she started leaving tracks all around my room and uh, those chick tracks. You ever read a chick track? It's like a little comic book. You never read one? You read one. Okay. And so, you know, I'm finding these things. They're all over my room. They're on my nightstand. They're in, open up a drawer. And, oh, what's this, you know? And they've got illustrated pictures, and there's demons, and there's hell. And, and, of course, all of this is starting to really impact me. So eventually I get saved. Then my mom gets saved. So the whole family got saved. Well, then my mom backslid, and it was tough. It was tough to see her go back into the world, go back into drinking, go back into just hanging with the wrong people. And it was a burden on my heart. And I kept praying. And it just was burdening me down more and more, just concerned. And I remember, I remember the day. I remember where I was. I remember I was in this closet. I was on my knees, and I was praying for my mom. And it was just a yearning and a moving and an intercession. And it was going strong. It was going intense. And then all of a sudden, this peace came in. 
And I knew that I knew that I knew that she was going to get back with the Lord. I knew it. From that moment on, yes, I still prayed for her, but I never, I, I knew I had peace in my heart. I knew she was going to be restored. And, and so intercession can be like that as well. See, sometimes what happens with people in intercession is they, they get caught up in that burden for somebody, and they're always feeling that burden, that burden, that burden, that, and it becomes a care to them. And, and then they start to lose their joy. They start to be, almost become like, uh, like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Like everything, you know, they, they, they always see, you know, this is bad, and I need to pray for that, and this is bad, and I need to pray for this, and this is going to hell, and I need to stop and pray for that. And it almost can be somewhat overwhelming because they, they feel so many needs that they want to pray about and intercede, and they lose joy. course the you know that's how the devil works he tries to take your he tries to twist things but that's why the bible says that when we're praying about stuff what are we supposed to do at the end of our prayers with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god with thanksgiving because in that thanksgiving you're connecting with faith in that thanksgiving you're speaking God's promise. You're speaking God's favor, God's goodness, God's power, God's provision over the whole situation. You're, you're not letting that care become a control. You're thanking God, knowing that the answer is on the way. The, he's heard your prayer, and the answer is on the way, and it's yes and amen. And then it says in Philippians, it says, don't be anxious, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't be anxious, burdened with cares about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and I love this part, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You get that peace. The old-timers used to call it praying through. I prayed through. But what do they mean? They, they prayed about something. They were burdened about something. They prayed about it. And then they came to a place where the peace of God came. And they knew that they knew the answer's on the way. Amen? And that's, that's kind of the working of intercession. You get that spirit of intercession going, and you, you feel the need. You feel the burden. You start to lament. You start to... You start to Take that into the spiritual realm. You're, you're doing battle. You're pleading their case. You know what God's promises are. You, the energy of the Holy Spirit comes in there. You're starting to feel the intensity of the Spirit, and you just got to go with it and see where God wants to go. The problem with, with the problem in, in, in our Christianity is we, in, in our society, is we're in a fast paced culture. We want drive through prayer life. You know, you go up to the intercom, Lord, I need this, Lord, I need that, Lord, I need this. And then you drive a little bit more, and all of a sudden there it is at the pickup window. And you got it. You're done. And then, uh, and then COVID hit. Now you went to these drive throughs and there was the line wrapped around the building twice. <laughs> You're like, oh, man, this isn't fast. But you learn to wait. But everybody wants everything done. You know, sometimes 
it takes intercession to break certain things. And if you just try to simply throw a prayer of faith over something without a prayer of intercession, you may be using the wrong tool on a certain job. So if Mike goes to a job and he needs his, he needs his, uh, his power nail gun, but he's only got a crescent wrench to pound nails in, it can be done, but it's going to take a long time. Yeah, so it's the wrong tool. It's a good tool, but it's the wrong tool, wrong application. And so we've got to use the right tools and the right application when it comes to prayer. So let's just take a minute right now. We're just going to pray a little bit here. Um, and if, you, if something comes to your heart of somebody or someone or a certain situation, then just let the Holy Spirit work through you to pray about that situation and just see how the spirit of intercession may move. Now, we may experience something right now or it might be just something that you take home with you and you begin to, to do that more. But if there is something in your life, someone in your life that needs a prayer, needs a breakthrough, needs a change, a situation needs to change, then you've got to work with the Holy Spirit in intercession to break that. So, Father, we just come before you. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us access to your presence through the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for ability to pray. We thank you, Lord, that, that you work prayers in us, Lord, that that is part of your spirit in us that enables us to communicate with you. And so we yield ourselves to you, Holy Spirit. We just yield ourselves to you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're working here in our lives. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're working in this church. You're working in our church family here. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're working in our families. You're working upon our spouses. You're working upon our children. You're working upon our grandchildren. Thank you, Lord, right now. You're working upon our spouses. You're working upon our children. You're working upon our grandchildren. Lord, we thank you right now. Now let's just pray in the spirit about that.